0: You're listening to the weekly podcast of Bethel Bible Church and Pastor Mark Kirkendall. We're so glad you've joined us today, and as always, you can find more information about the church at our website, BethelBible.com. You can find us on Facebook and even follow us on Twitter, at Bethel Bible. Let's join Sunday service now. Well, you can be seated. Good morning, everyone. I'll add my welcome to Mark's, and good morning to everyone listening at home as well, we are continuing in our series on the Psalms. So over these next few weeks, we're going to look each week at a different Psalm. And so I thought this week let's start at the beginning. And so in your Bibles, you can be turning to Psalm number 1, numero uno, the very first one. And what's interesting about this Psalm is it really is like an introduction to the whole book. It's kind of a summary of the whole book's Book of Psalms, like an introduction to any book. It's going to tell you Here's, here's what the rest of this book is about, and it's going to make a very bold claim. It's Especially in our day, this is very bold. You know what the claim of the psalm is? You can be happy. That's what it says. You can be happy. In fact, the first word of the first psalm is about happiness. It's what we translate blessed. It's this word, ashray. It is the subject of at least 26 of the psalms, and it means happy or joyful. And so it's not, you know, we understand it's not this kind of fleeting, situational, uh, only emotional happiness. It's, it describes this heightened state of happiness and of joy that, that kind of supersedes any of our temporary circumstances, any of our temporary feelings. In fact, it's a word that's kind of come back into the culture. More and more we hear people talking about it. I'm so blessed. It's one of our favorite hashtags. We are hashtag blessed, and it's this thing we say when we meet. I, I just can't believe how good I have it, apart from this or that specific circumstance. And this is why I say it's a bold claim, because I think in our world today, and y'all tell me if this isn't true, happiness is something our world is searching for more and more and finding less and less. Isn't that true? In fact, uh, I heard this comedian one time, I couldn't even remember who it was, uh, back on the Tonight Show, he was talking about being on an airplane. And this guy right next to him on this airplane starts off, getting, he, first he's annoyed, and then he gets frustrated, and then he gets really, really angry, and he pushes this button, and the, he's yelling at the stewardess, and he is so angry because the internet on the plane is too slow think about this. He is sitting in a seat in the air, flying through the air. And not only that, we have found a way to get him internet, but it's too slow. And so this comedian summed it up. He said, everything is amazing, but no one is happy. Doesn't that describe our world sometimes? Everything is amazing, but no one is happy. And there's a reason for that. I think the reason that most of us, most people, never find this deep happiness, this blessedness, is because they totally go looking for it the wrong way. See, Most of us, I think, think of happiness kind of like a recipe for a cake or something. You know, you got to get just the right ingredients, and if you get just the right ingredients, mix them in, put them in in the right order and the right amount. You know, I get just enough good work and a good relationships and family, and just I don't have to be rich, but just enough money and enough comfort. I get all these. You know, bake it at three fifty for twenty minutes, and out will come happiness. But y'all, oh, that's not how it works at all. Because what if you never get the recipe right? I mean, what if? What if all the circumstances in your life never line up just right to make you happy? Let me ask it this way. If life doesn't change at all for you, from this moment forward, life doesn't change. Your situation doesn't improve. So your marriage doesn't change. Your career doesn't progress. Your sickness never heals. You never have more or better friends than you do right now. If the coronavirus never goes away, could you be happy? The psalm claims that you can. And here's why. It's because, you happiness, it, it's not about the things you collect or the things you organize in your life just right. It's not even about preventing bad things from happening to you. Blessedness, in fact, doesn't have anything to do with anything you do or anything you have. Here's our big idea today, and I think our big idea from Psalm 1. You are blessed because of where you belong. You are blessed because of where you belong. So let's read together. Psalm 1, it's only six verses. We're going to read the whole psalm. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law he meditates day and night. He's like a tree. Planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. And all that he does, he, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked judgment nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. So the psalm starts off with a negative. Here's what you don't do. This is how you don't do to find happiness. And it's the thing that almost all of us do, interestingly enough. We belong to the wrong things. And he kind of leads us on this progression of how this happens. There's a momentum in how we come to believe the wrong, belong to the wrong things. First, he's talking about walking in the counsel of the wicked. And so you can think of this as like intellectual agreement. So all the things that maybe some studies say or all the advice your grandma gave you that you know is true and you may or may not do it or follow it. So you need eight hours of sleep. Uh, You know, you need to save more money. You need to take a vacation. You need to eat more vegetables. You agree with all of these things. Doesn't mean you necessarily do it, but then it progresses to a lifestyle. So he says you stand in the way of sinners. Again, this is describing a lifestyle. We've move beyond just intellectual agreement, all the way to what, what, what it's referencing is it's all the things that we do without even thinking about it, kind of our unquestioned assumptions about life. I found a great illustration of this this week online. Somebody posted, and he asked people from other countries who have been to America, he asked, okay, what's the weirdest thing about America that Americans don't realize is weird, Okay. I'm going to read some of these and I want to ask you how many of these have you ever even, has it ever even crossed your mind could be any different? So one person said, saying, How's it going to me and hello? I do that all the time. I don't know why we do it. I just do it. That's how, that's, that's how you greet people. Putting prices without tax on price tax. A lot of people said, Free refill, refills. In fact, one person asked, Why does everyone order a large when they get free refills with it? I don't know. That's just that's the way you do it. In fact, one guy said, he was from China, he said he took a large McDonald's cup, packed it in his suitcase, took it home just to show his family how large it was. And he said they were all in awe. They couldn't believe it. One person said, how many versions of every food product there are? You can't just have one thing. It has to come in blueberry, vanilla, diet, low-fat, low-sodium, big, small, round, and grape. Everything is grape-flavored. Yeah, that's the way we do it around here. This one's for Mark. One person said, pickles. you Your hidden love for pickles. I've been in the States for like eight years, and you guys give a pickle with everything. <laughs> I don't know why my sandwich comes with a pickle. It just does. I've never thought about it. Last one, there is so much water in your toilet bowls. Seriously, why so much? I don't know. I don't know why so much. That's just the way it is. I've never even thought about that. Well, what the psalmist is saying here is, All the things you think about the least can contribute or take away from your happiness. All those assumptions you carry around. And they lead to this next step in the progression, which is sitting in the seat of scoffers. This is a picture of allegiance, of belonging. All you have to think about is the school lunchroom. And where you sit is where you belong the table you sit at, that's your people, that's your squad, that is where you belong. It has in mind all the things that you assign your identity to. So all the ways you finish the sentence, I am a, and maybe you fill that in with a hobby, I'm a, I'm a fisherman, or maybe you fill that in with your job, I'm an accountant. Maybe you fill that in with your political party. I'm a Democrat. I'm a Republican. Maybe you fill that in with your citizenship. I'm an American. Maybe you fill it in with your relationships. I'm a father. I'm a mother, husband, wife. That is where you belong. And what he's saying here is we have a tendency to sit with, to belong to scoffers. Now, a scoffer is someone who's completely devoted to themselves. No space, no room, no concern for God. In fact, all regard for God is gone. In fact, many we just say this whole God thing, this, this idea that I need to go to someone else for happiness or to the Bible for instruction, that's, that's just kind of silly. I'm the captain of my own ship, and I will find my own happiness. And you need to know there, there's an inherent progression here. See, the way the psalm is written, the way the language is, no one just walks without eventually sitting. If you walk in counsel, apart from God long enough, he's saying, you will end up sitting in the seat of scoffers. That is how it always works. You will belong to the wrong things. So, you know what? If you have a hard time finding happiness, feeling blessed, if it constantly seems to escape you, the core issue is you need to break an allegiance. You've been sitting at the wrong table, and it is time to get up and go sit at a different table and find your identity somewhere else. It's time for you to start thinking about the assumptions that are dictating your life. But I know, if you start down that road, okay, what are all my assumptions? It's hard to know what your assumptions are that are dictating your life. It's hard to know yourself, sometimes even harder than it is to know somebody else. And so the psalmist helps us out. In verse 2 he, he helps us out by knowing what we belong to and here's what he's going to tell us We belong to what delights us We belong to what delights us and so he introduces a positive positive example so verse 1 was negative example here's the positive example this man who delights in the law of the Lord Now understand law of the Lord he's not just talking about the rules of God he's talking about all the words of God all of his revelation, God's mind written down. And that's the Bible. That's the scriptures. All of it, it says, is his delight. That word means it's his chief desire. It's the desire that is fueling and driving all of his actions. And how do we know that this man delights in the law of the Lord? Well, it's obvious. He he meditates. He meditates on it day and night. It is always on his mind. Why? because it's his treasure. It's his delight, and so he is always thinking about it, and it's the same for you. We all meditate in some way. We all let our minds be consumed with what we value most. Easiest place in the world to see this is with little kids. Have you ever asked a kid one question and got like a 35-minute answer? Welcome to my life right now. This is everything. It's because you've hit on, you've touched on something that delights them, something that they love. And so you just ask one question and then you better sit down because you're going to hear everything in the world about it, right? So do you, you want to know what you belong to, what your highest allegiance is? Just ask what gets most of your mental energy. Is it maybe your work? How you can succeed more and do better and getting good with your boss or whatever it is. Is it your, is it your kids and your family and, and that's always consuming your mind? It can, be, it can be anything. It can be just a little more comfort. It can be, you know, if I can just get a little this and this to take care of, maybe I'll be a little more comfortable. Reputation, what other thing, the list is as long as there are people in this room. But you know what's interesting? I was thinking about this uh, this week. You know what I think the most common form of meditation in our day is? It's not all this, you know, putting on yoga pants and lighting incense candles and playing instrumental music and humming. That's not what it is. I think our most common form of meditation today is worry and anxiety. We don't think about that as meditation, but it it is. It's, It's one of the most common ways we let things consume our minds. And so what do you obsess over because you think your happiness depends on it? And then let me ask a follow-up question. Does all that worry, does all that anxiety, does it lead to more happiness? Has anyone ever worried themselves into happiness? No, of course not. It, it doesn't work that way. Now imagine if all the worry, all that anxiety could be replaced by delight. Delight in God's word written down and in your relationship with him. This psalm is claiming you can, that can happen. You can be happy. You can delight in God, but you have to change what you meditate on. And to illustrate all this works, he gives us a great example. I love these. Sometimes you run across examples in the Bible that you don't even have to be spiritual to understand. It's obvious. And here we get the example of A tree. And this tree is going to teach us two things about being blessed, about being really happy. The first thing we learn is this. Blessedness is internal, not external. Blessedness is internal, not external. So this tree that he brings up, it's it's a tree full of life. This tree is hashtag blessed, okay? This is one of those trees painted by Bob Ross. It's a happy little tree. It's doing great at life. And why? Because it has two things. It has roots and living water. And so the picture is these, these roots of this tree, they go deep down, and, and so it's firmly planted in a place. And what's amazing when you think about that, still to this day, having roots, that is a picture of belonging, isn't it? We still say that. I, I'm going to go set down roots somewhere. That means I'm going to belong to that place. I'm going to become one of them. Or if we're not where we grew up, we'll say, well, my roots are back back there. That's, that's really, my people, that's really where I belong. And so this tree has set down roots. It belongs to a place. That's the picture. And listen, these roots don't hold it back. These roots don't cramp its style. They don't restrict its freedom. In fact, these roots give it access to life. That's what happens. The tree is happy and full of life because it belongs in the right place. Where is that right place? Next to the living water. Because for a tree, that life is found in the water, under the surface, this tree's roots have gone down and is drawing life from the water that those roots are in contact with. And it does this regardless of the season. Now it's important to know, it's important to know, this tree doesn't get life by knowing about the water, by reading about the water, by standing next to the water and look at, adding, at, looking at it and even admiring it. No, no, no. The tree gets life from soaking up that water into itself. This is important to know because, y'all, it is entirely possible. It is entirely possible. In fact, it is common to come to church, serve a lot of people, practice good morals, but God not be your source of life. To be doing all of the right things, but not drawing on Him and depending on Him for life on the inside. Your roots have to reach down into His living water, and you have to soak it up. And because the tree does this, the psalmist says in verse 3, the leaf doesn't wither. In fact, he says, all that he does prosper. So the picture is again, you, you can see this. It, no matter what the season, he goes through all the seasons and he remains a healthy tree full of life. And that makes sense when all the externals are in its favor. It's spring. He's getting enough sun, he's getting enough rain, the birds are chirping, the fruits on the tree, all that's going on. But what about the winter? What about the winter when it's bitterly cold, when there is not enough rain? He's certainly not getting enough sun. What about the summer? We're in the middle of summer, y'all. It's hot. And that sun is scorching, and there is no rain. Still, in those seasons, its leaf doesn't wither. Why? Because the tree doesn't get its life from the external environment. The tree gets its life from the inside, from the roots, from the living water. See, it's it's not a matter of the seasons. It's a matter of roots being connected to water. It is a matter of where I belong. And that means what this psalm is trying to tell us with this tree, if you can see it, it will not make you happy. Did you hear that? If you can see it, it will not make you happy. Our culture doesn't believe that. I don't know. I got, I got some mail this week. We got this catalog in the mail this week. Now, y'all, I don't know why we get catalogs like this. It's not my fault, Okay. And it says, I've never even heard of this place, but I'm sure they make fun products. It says, create happy where you live. You can create happiness where you live. You can create it ostensibly with, you know, some of the fun things in here. You buy this, I don't know what this is, a large thing that holds large plants uh, that's blue, and you get a green one, you get a white one, and you are creating happiness, right? Where, look, you get a, a mat with a bird on it, and boom, you can create happiness right where you live. Isn't that wonderful? Y'all, we know that's a law. But we still buy it in other places in our life. We buy it because we, when we do that, we're walking in the council, we're standing in the way, we're sitting in the seat of what the culture is telling you will make you happy. And most of us, I think we're unhappy because we try to adapt everything around us, all the externals, maybe I can get the right things and situate them in the right way, but it is never going to work. Doesn't matter how much more free time you get, how much a bigger house you get, how many times you change jobs, how good you are at getting that person in your life to finally behave like they're supposed to behave, it's not going to work because blessedness is internal, not external. That's the first thing they learn from the tree. The second thing we learn from the tree is that blessedness is secondary, not primary. It's a byproduct. It's not the chief, main, primary thing we pursue with our life. And so if you chase it, it will escape you. In verse 4, he contrasts this tree with the wicked, and he says, uh, The wicked here, probably better translated godless, it's those who don't have God. Fruits don't go down into the living water. He says they are like chaff. Now, what's chaff? Chaff is the shell around a wheat seed, it's very, very light. And so, in fact, What they did back then to separate, they had to separate the wheat from the chaff. All they would do was they'd get a bunch of it and they'd throw it in the air. And the wheat is heavier, so it will fall to the ground, but the chaff is so light, even with the slightest wind, it'll just blow away. See, chaff can and will go anywhere. It has no inherent direction, it has no anchor. You know what it does have? Complete freedom. Now, a lot of us think, you know, when I can be completely free and do whatever I want, then I'll be happy, but it's not, it's not so. In fact, nothing is more free than this chaff, but it will not be happy because it doesn't belong anywhere. And it, the psalmist points this out with the indestination of the wicked, the indestination of the godless, the chaff, he says, it will not stand. It's going to fall, it's going to scatter, the complete opposite of that tree that has the deep roots that tree that belongs somewhere. He says in verse 6 that the way of the wicked, the way of the chaff, it's going to perish. So not just that individual chaff, the whole way, everything that they subscribe to, everything they chase, everything they pursued, everything they bought in this catalog, it's going to perish. So not only will it be gone, it will leave no trace. It'll be like it wasn't even there. Think about the difference in that verse wheat. So this year's wheat, it ends up in storage bins or in bread. It gets used. Where was last week's chaff? Anybody know where that, that ended up? Nobody knows. And there's no trace that it was ever even here. That's the picture. And so what the psalmist is saying is because these wicked, these godless, because they make happiness, the primary pursuit of their lives, it always evades them. They're blown away like, in every direction with the wind. They had nothing to set roots. They had no living water to draw from. And this is the exact same principle that Jesus gives us. Jesus used this word blessed. He talked about happiness and blessedness. In in Matthew 5, in the Beatitudes, he said, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for blessedness. No, wait, that's not how he said it. No, no, no. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. You see, you pursue righteousness, and the blessedness is the byproduct. That's what he's saying. You don't pursue blessedness and become blessed. He said the same thing again when he said, listen, you want to find life? You want to be like that big, healthy, living tree? If all you do is search for life, you'll lose it. You'll never find it. It'll always evade you, okay? But if I'm primary, if I'm the primary focus of your life and you seek me, guess what? You get me and that that life you've been looking for. You get both. So what he's saying here is, if happiness is escaping you, it's probably because you are making it the primary pursuit of your life. You are choosing what to, do, what to belong to based on what you think it has the highest odds of making you happy. That's not how it works. You have to choose what you're going to belong to based on what is true, and then the happiness will come as a byproduct. That's why he closes out the psalm in verse 6 by reminding us again, you are blessed because of where you belong. You're blessed because of where you belong. And this, he says this amazing thing in verse 6. He says that God knows the way of the righteous. Those who belong to God are known by him. This word, it's, it's a deep word. It's a word yada, or it's spelled yada. It communicates relationship, intimacy. In fact, it's the same word the Bible will use for how a husband and wife know one another. And so you can picture it's, you know, husband and wife, they get married, yada, yada, yada. That's what it's talking about. So he's not saying God has a general knowledge of facts about you, how tall you are, your height, your weight, your birthday, you know, things you post on your bio. No, no, no it's, it's so much deeper than that. It's a deep emotional acquaintance. You know what my favorite uses of this word is in Exodus chapter 2. Uh, beginning of Exodus, so before God has set his people free, but he's explaining what he's about to do, and it says that God knew yada Israel's suffering. So not like read it in a newspaper, saw it on TV, read it on his Facebook thread, no, no. He, he was deeply concerned with, deeply invested, and in, he felt it, and he intended to act on it, and he set his people free because he knew their suffering the psalm is saying here is God knows. It is a deep commitment to, love for, and care for His own. It communicates belonging. Isn't that interesting? It's saying you belong to Him. He doesn't just see and approve from afar. He knows you. You get a relationship with Him. And so when we delight in His Word, when we meditate on it day and night, we get life. We are happy because He knows us. And because we belong to Him, but now I have to warn you about a danger. As we get to the end of this Psalm, you know the danger is to say, "Okay, well then, let me start doing all these things for God to like me and for God to know me." In fact, some of you have probably already promised yourself for the 117th time that you're going to read your Bible every day from here on out. Okay? Here's an important thing we have to remember that the New Testament teaches us: belonging is given not earned. Belonging is given, not earned. Because I think if you're honest with yourself as you're listening, you know, you know you don't delight in God's law all the time, do you? I don't. You know, even if you leave here with the fullest resolve, you can't imagine ever getting to the place where you always, always, day and night, meditate on God and always delight in Him. Can you do that? I can't do that. See, the the Bible tells us there's only one person who is the Psalm 1 man, and that is Jesus Christ. Jesus is the tree full of life. He never sat in the seat of scoffers, He delighted to do God's will. He meditated on God's word day and night. He was careful to do all that it said. In fact, he even prayed in the garden when facing the cross, Lord, not my will, but your will be done. So how can we ever have that life if we are not like him? Well, he says, you have to be grafted into me. This is what Jesus said. He said, I'm the vine. You're just the branches, and you have to abide in me. And only when you abide in me will you bear much fruit. And so what he's saying there is, don't you go try to plant yourself next to the living water and set your roots deep. I'm already planted there. I'm there. The life is in me, and you just abide in me. You belong to me, and through me, you get life in you. See, I've been saying, you know, you're blessed because of where you belong. It's probably better said, you're blessed because of who you belong to. Two, Belonging to the Psalm 1 man is the way we get the blessedness and the happiness of Psalm 1. You know, this week, just past few days, there's one image that God really used to teach me about this. Our kids had spent the past few days at what we call Nana Camp. That's their grandmother, and the grandmother takes the grandkids for a couple days, and they do all kind of fun stuff, and they have a blast, and we have a blast too. It's kind of nice. Well, they came home this weekend. You know, we were reunited, and it feels so good. And they came home, and that first night, they were home. You know what both my kids wanted to do? They wanted to sit in our lap. They wanted to sit with us. Now, why did they want to come and sit in our lap? Is it because, you know, a pastor told them, if you want to be a good Christian, you need to sit with your parents at least five minutes every day? No. Was it because they were trying really, really hard to get us to like them and to love them? No. You know where they sat with me? because they belong to me. In my lap is where they are happiest because it is where they belong. So I can't help but think, you know, maybe some of you are at church kind of just as your next step to look for happiness out there. Another way to get the recipe right. Arrange all these external things and and maybe I'll end up being happy. Let me invite you to try something different. Sit with God belong to him. Crawl up in his lap. Then, watch as his word becomes your delight. As he takes over your mind instead of all that worry and anxiety. You are blessed because of who you belong to. Thanks again for listening to the podcast today. We hope that you were blessed and encouraged. And If you have any questions or comments, we want you to let us know. Simply send your thoughts to questions at Bethelbible.com.